You are listening to Mosaic's Midweek Podcast. Through a series of personal reflections and stories, we share how the kingdom of God is breaking into our hearts and our city as it is in heaven. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, Wes Mills here, and you are listening to another episode of the Mosaic Midweek Podcast, and I have... My good friend Zaru with me again. Zaru, how you doing? Doing well. It's good to be here. Good, good, good. Likewise. Uh, you know, so on Sunday, right, we talked uh, about a couple of things. One of those things being memorials and the other thing being presence. And, you know, I think the reality is whether we want to admit it or not, we create memorials or our families even create memorials. Um, so before we kind of dive into some theological implications of that and what that looks like in the church, I'd love to kind of hear from you. Did you have any personal uh, memorials growing up? Yeah. uh, My family, we were pretty traditional in the sense that the memorials we celebrated, I guess, would be birthdays and I guess anniversaries count as one as well. And so birthdays, what we would just do, the kids, we would have our friends come over, our parents, they would do the typical things by the cake, but we would also spend time at least at the end of the day, all sharing as a family uh, geared on that specific person whose birthday it was. What we appreciate about that person, what we see God is doing in their life historically and presently, and what and what we, whether it's something we dream for them or just uh, see God's potential for them, we try to affirm that in some type of ways or just try mm. to encourage them in some type. So for that, and anniversaries, uh, we we kind of do a similar thing for my parents. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think birthdays, at least in uh, our context, are certainly a big deal. We, we, I mean, even still to this day, my parents uh, are big birthday people. So everybody in nuclear family gets a really large celebration uh, in some ways to just affirm their being yeah. uh, living another year. Uh, and that's a, that's a pretty big deal. But one of the ones that stuck out to me as I was thinking about it was when I lived in Cincinnati for a year, uh, the family I lived with every Friday night, they would have dinner together and they would go around the table and affirm what they saw in someone else at the table that particular week. Mm. Uh, And in that, they were able to also talk about something that they felt grateful for. And so they, I watched them do that for an entire year. And I was, you know, kind of asked to be involved in that process. And it, it cultivated a level of gratitude and a, just a level of noticing other people more. Uh, and, and that was just a, a, a weekly thing that we did every single week. And I think the first probably month and a half, two months, maybe even three months, I thought it was peculiar. I thought it was sweet, but it, it didn't really necessarily do a ton in me. And then after doing it for an entire year, mm-hmm. I noticed a lot of internal change and in how I was walking around in my week, how I was noticing other people in the house, how I was focusing on my work and grateful for, you know, different responsibilities and things. So even that small, seemingly small gesture, um, but a consistent gesture over time became its own memorial where we sought to become this embodied memory, uh, which is just a really big deal. And at the same time, right, there's, there's personal memorials that we have. 
And then there's memorials that the church has. Talk to me about what you think some of those could be. Yeah, uh, I'll say quickly, the memorials that I knew about growing up were Christmas and Easter. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't know about anything else until very recently Mm -hmm. in my life, whether that be because of studying church history or just people from other Christian traditions telling me, oh, you know there's much more to the Christian faith than just these two, albeit significant events, but more. So Christmas and Easter were honestly the two ones uh, celebrating the incarnation, birth of Jesus and his resurrection. I mean, in Good Friday, like, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, the Easter, Good Friday, Holy Saturday and Easter Sunday and all of those things. So mm, I've never really experienced much of the church's memorials outside of those th- two things, but some other ones that I've learned about are uh, preceding uh, Christmas Advent is a time we memorialize. We even memorialize some of the saints in history. Like I didn't know St. Patrick was a Christian figure for a long time. I thought he was just this Irish dude who people wore green in fond memory of. And so like just learning kind of what his role in the church was and just all these things are memorials to the faithfulness of God in the life of his church, but also to his people, signifying that his salvation is efficacious and real. So I I don't have many I participated in, but that's kind of my... Yeah, you know, what's interesting about like the, even the the Christmas and and even the Advent season as a whole is it, it, it it memorializes this sort of longing, Mm -hmm. right? And like hope. And so the way to do that is literally singing Mm -hmm. uh, about... um, about the the coming of Jesus right. and sort of creating this longing in us or s- continuing to spark this longing in us for his coming again. Uh, but we literally change, and some of it is Americanized, some of it has a conglomeration of, of a variety of other uh, secular holidayism right. Right. Uh, involved. But right, we, we literally decorate our house. We, we change some of the rhythms uh, of our you know, regular weeks, right? We're, we're involved in more things or, or perhaps there's, um, you know, one of the things that we've done is we, uh, have kind of an Advent candle, uh, bar where we have 25 candles and every day is a, is a lit, a new candle that is lit all the way until Christmas day. Right. Uh, and it's this visible sign. It's a, you can, you you can smell the candle and it becomes this, this moment of memorializing the, the light that is dawning in the world right. uh, and that is in breaking and has broken and will ultimately break in. And so while we, we, we mentally recall Jesus coming, we it becomes a much more embodied experience yes. uh, of his coming and not just a memory of a past event that we weren't even physically alive for. So, uh, and you know, the other thing that I think is interesting that we probably don't think of as a memorial often, but it, it really is. And which is the gathered, the gathered church every week. Right. Uh, so whether that's gathering physically in the homes of each other or gathering uh, in kind of a conventional way in a, in a sanctuary where songs are sung and prayers are prayed and word is read and, community is built, right? It's this embodied experience where we come to remember who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And we don't just do that 
sitting at our kitchen table thinking about it, uh, we actually come together as a family to sing about it and right. lean into it and become whole person Jesus followers. And that's that's another, It's again, it's a small thing. Most of us take it for granted, uh, but it, has, it becomes this memorial thing. And ultimately that is what uh, the meal of communion is. Right. It is this regular practice uh, that for many of us, you know, haven't practiced it that often, uh, or perhaps even with that weight and gravity of it being a memorial meal. So, uh, and then yeah, we also spoke about the presence of God specifically around the table. So, practically speaking, what might that look like? Yeah, for me, I think it looks like, like, and just kind of like you were talking about with these past two questions, underlying some of your answers was. We must push against the impulse to just stay in reflection, right? Because if reflection is all you have in memorializing things and it doesn't lead to embodied ways of living or uh, just of beholding, then it's uh, an impoverished understanding um, of the hope we have that is not just represented in the Lord's Supper, but is really feasted upon in it. And so... Yeah, I, I think pushing against that impulse to just be like, okay, when I'm at this table, what I'm reminded of is Jesus's body broken and his blood spilled on my behalf so my sins can be forgiven. That's a great thing to do when you're at the supper, when it just stays there. And there's no, uh, I have a friend who's talking to me about the Lord's Supper. When there's no earthiness to it, when there's no skin, um, ingested, if you will, uh, that that comes through it. And you don't see how real God's presence with you in that meal, no matter how mysterious it may feel, uh, you, you lose out on real communal implications, such as not just reflecting, but loving your neighbor. Like the, there's a commission given in the Lord's Supper as you're tasting upon the body of Jesus. There's like you've talked about in previous sermons, you, you become his body to other people. You become bread for others. You, you become sensitive to issues of justice and mercy, but it also changes the way you see worship when you come to the Lord's table and you take uh, the body of Christ and drink of his blood, uh, if, if you will. So pushing against the impulse to just reflect and leading to more communal ways of living. Would yeah. Be one way I, yeah, I think that's great. And I think part of our challenge in coming to the communion table is that we don't, most of the time we take communion by, it's, it's taken up to us by surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're not prepared. Uh, we haven't physically prepared. We haven't emotionally prepared. We haven't prayerfully prepared. So we're, we're just coming in pretty unprepared. Sometimes we're coming in almost sleepwalking mm-hmm. into, uh, into that space. And that's not a, you know, a guilt thing and people should feel shame about that. It's just a, a reality where I think we miss out on the fullness of it when we don't come prepared. And so the, the, or, the way that we've orchestrated or the way we're going to orchestrate having communion around a table in homes, what does that look like is you probably will have a little bit of time that day, I mean, you, sh- you should hopefully make time that day to prepare to come to the table. Uh, and so where it's not just 
another dinner with friends uh, per se, but it is a meal transformed by God's presence in with the family of God. Yeah. And so I think that's a big, a big thing that we miss is this notion of unpreparedness. Um, right. And the other thing I would say is uh, being present at the meal means being attentive and paying attention to what Jesus may be saying through other people. Mm, um, that's really so good. that could mean, you know, things like limiting distractions. It could mean things like turning off your phone for the next hour and a half. It could mean being committed, going in, being committed to ask more questions than to talk about yourself, mm. uh, which is a very kind of boots on the ground, practical implication of preparing yourself. It is being content that God is going to meet you around that table and not feeling the instinct or at least acting upon the instinct to dominate the conversation, yeah. but rather to take a step back and to defer to one another and to seek the interest of another over the interest of myself. So we talk about being uh, emotionally healthy people and what does it mean to be uh, fully present? It means to be fully engaged and fully intent on listening and reflecting on what the spirit of God might be saying through other people, right. both to you, but also to them. Uh, and so I think those are two things. They're not necessary. That's not necessarily super complicated, uh, but it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, and in some ways I would say it's relatively simple being prepared and coming in with the attentiveness to listen to others is not this complicated process, but it actually is so hard to do right. uh, because we're very self-interested people uh, and we're going hundred miles an hour. And so we'd rather just rush into something and, and, you know, launch into our own thing uh, as opposed to being content with not having to proof ourselves yeah. uh, to, to the family of God. And so I think those are, those are two things, again, kind of really practical, but I think are helpful in not centering the table on us, but centering the table on God. Uh, he as the host, we as his guest at the table. And in the midst of that, figuring out what it means to, uh, to actually commune around it. Right. Uh, well, so I am really excited about the journey and where this is leading. And I'm, I'm really excited for the next couple months as we begin to practice this, uh, the presence of God around the table of yeah. God. Uh, and what God's going to do among our church. So Me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for Zeru, I'm Wes, and until next time, grace and peace.